don't hire out of desperation. So we tend to do that so quickly in the dental industry because we're not trained in it. So we just stick a square peg in a round hole. You know, you want somebody who's dedicated, who shows up on time, who's motivated. And during, you know, they showed up late to the interview, they looked disheveled and they weren't really friendly, yet you still hired them. them. And six months from now, you're upset because they don't show up to work on time. Well, you, you kind of took a square peg and put it in a round hole. You, you forgot about all the things that you have as a requirement just to put a body in a chair. This is Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast where we ask the question, what does growth in dentistry look like to you? I'm Katie Polson, a dental hygienist and your host. Welcome to another episode of Growth in Dentistry. We are continuing our conversation on the staffing shortage. And before we get started, I wanted to invite you to join our Facebook dental intelligence community. Also, we want to hear from you. Please like, subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a question or a comment, go to our podcast page at dentalintel.com and record one. We will um, highlight those in an upcoming episode. Now onto our show today, we are talking about the staffing shortage and hiring. And with me to discuss that is Steve Jensen, VP of Business Development. Say hi, Steve. Hi, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) I was waving. People couldn't see me. (laughs) And and Steve is going to introduce our, our... our lovely guest here again with us, Laura Nelson from Front Office Rock. And, and we are uh, very excited to have Laura on with us. She has been a longtime partner of Dental Intel's. Laura is the founder and creator of Front Office Rocks, and it is the world's best front office training program that exists. And I will say that hands down. Um, I have gotten to know Laura over the last three years and have been continually impressed with her ability to continue to keep a pulse on the marketplace, create new content, have a relevant voice in the market. And so uh, with that short introduction, I am excited to have Laura come on and talk today a little bit more about the staffing issue that we're facing here in the country, how it relates to dental, and then talk through some clever tricks on how we can find great employees that won't quit after a couple months. <laughs> Steve, you are officially hired as my official introducer for oh, all of the meetings. So we're going to go on the road and you're going to introduce me from now on. Thank oh, you. You're, you're too kind for sure. Very <laughs> sweet. <laughs> um, so we're so excited again to have you on again. Give us your take on the staffing crisis that's going on. Well, I know it's nationwide in every industry, but in dentistry, what are you seeing with the people that you're talking to? All the things. Give us your insight. Well, that's a big question right there, right? Mm I think I'm actually thankful in the sense of it's putting a spotlight on a topic that I have been talking about for years. I mean, I have a book written on hiring specifically. Um, When the market is saturated with employees, we tend to not um, hire, we just kind of hire and, and put them in place and hope they work and not put a lot of attention and energy in it. Um, and we're not in that place right now. And so there has to be some energy and attention put on it. Um, and so I think it's a good thing, um, as a leader to go through this process. I mean, I wouldn't, I'm not asking that we have it, but this is a good time to learn from it. I, I actually went through a very similar time frame when I was a technical recruiter, when the internet was launching and the dot-coms were, you know, popping up all over and we were trying to recruit, you know, programmers and network specialists and help desks. And that was back when you went to college and you learned a one programming language. So you had to find the person with the one language, probably before both of your times. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's but, sweet of you, but probably yeah. not. Yeah. <laughs> 
But so, and it taught me how to, to, how to interview well. It taught me how to recruit. It taught me how to hire people well. And so I'm not afraid of hiring. And there's a lot of dentists and office managers who, you know, I've talked to in the past who are like, oh, you know, I just, when I need someone, I hire them. Well, now you got to put some emphasis on it. You got to put some attention on it. So um, I think the other thing that it's doing, which is a positive thing, I know people are probably like, stop being all positive, but um, is putting the attention on outsourcing um, because that is, we do have a shortage in our industry. We do have, we have problems finding the right employee, great employees, and we have to figure out other options. And when I started in our industry, outsourcing in my mind was not an option, but now outsourcing um, is a huge option. And I think it should be considered by every dental office and getting smarter about running your office. So that's why I love dental Intel because you can use software to help your team be more efficient because you have less of a team. <laughs> so help them be more efficient in their time. So that's my kind of spin. I like to try to make everything positive whenever possible. Like it, it, we have to get through it. We will get through it. There'll be a change. But in the meantime, what can we learn from it? Yeah, I love that. I love that you turned it into that because so many people are going, I, I mean, it is a difficult thing to get through. But there is a lot to learn, just like there was a lot to learn when we were shut down for six weeks. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, so yeah. for sure. But see, you said six weeks, but we're in California. Oh, so that's true. Yeah. Like 60 months, I think we're, you <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> you guys are back at it, probably. Uh, we're getting close, for sure. Oh, so are we. Yeah, but but even still, being able to learn and, and use it as an opportunity to grow. And we've seen that in the data, in the practices that we've looked at, the people that embraced the difficulty, we see that on the other end of it. We mm -hmm. see they come out stronger. They don't have the lulls. Yeah, things like that. Um, anything to add? Steve's so good at just... <laughs> I, just oh, Katie, I need somebody next to me here because it's so fun. You guys get to have like Hello. each other. No, I, I, I always have thoughts. Like, I just love, Laura, I love the way that you take... We have... We have two options we can take whenever we face difficulty. We can just have like a crap attitude and be like, oh, like, what was me? Life sucks. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, what that does mentally is it puts me in a place where it's difficult to think outside the box mm -hmm. and to make real movement in my life. But if I can take an opportunity, and this is what I love about you, is that you can take a challenge, like a staffing shortage and realize, hey, like this is going to make me uncomfortable, but it's also going to make my mind grow and expand the way that I think about running a business and a practice in, in this scenario. And so I agree with you. I think that um, looking at creative ways to hire, looking at using technology to supplement efforts of the team, and then looking at outsourcing are all things that have come uh, big time into the light because of the staffing shortage, for sure. Right. Well, and you've seen me speak a lot. One of the things that I talk about is you can only control what happens in your four walls, right? Mm -hmm. We have so much stuff that's happening outside in the world. You can blame politics and, and insurance. You can blame hiring. You can blame the world. But as soon yeah. as you blame something outside of your four walls, you don't have control over it anymore. Mm. Um, and it's easier. It, it literally is easier to blame. Okay. There's just no good employees. Cause then you go home and you say, okay, there's no good employees and that's it. But when you actually say, well, what can I do to then run my business better? Like, what can I do to change that? It's more work on your part, right? It means you have to teach your team different skills. It means you have to bring in software. It means you have to outsource so there's more work on your part, but in the long run, you can control that, right? You can make a difference. So you could blame the outside or you can, you can accept it. it it's, it's, you know, fact of life that we have a shortage right now. What can you do to make a difference then? Mm, I love that. Now I'm going to, I'm going to hound in. You said this, you said you can have an attitude where you can just say, Hey, like 
there are no good employees. And I want to dive into that a little more. In a previous podcast, uh, you briefly mentioned this idea that you can find, you don't only have to look inside of dentistry, right? So there are unusual places that people might not be thinking about right now where yeah. they might be able to find some exceptional talent. So do you mind humming yeah, a few yeah. bars about that a little bit, Laura? I'd love to yeah, hear Yeah, and I, when I say that, I was kind of being facetious, but there are great employees out there. But, For sure. But again, I, I mean, I understand. I don't live in small town Iowa where there are no employees. So, so I'm taking all of that into account. But off the top of my head, there's probably about six different things that I can talk about or think about. So first of all is just um, realizing that you don't necessarily have to buy, hire somebody with as much as experience as you think you do. Mm-hmm. Meaning um, in the front, you don't have to hire somebody with dental experience. We can teach them the dental. We have the tools. We have the software. We have front office rocks. I can hire personality and teach them dental. So, so don't just look in the dental industry. Look at Starbucks. Look at you know, customer service, look at the, wherever you go, there are great people out there who would rather work in a dental office eight to five than, you know, till midnight at a bar or whatever, mm-hmm. that have great personalities. For the back office, yeah, we need the clinical skills, but I think so many times we put two to five years of dental assistant experience. Well, what is the key? What's the metric that makes two years better than, I've had some great rock star dental assistants who had six days of training or six months of training, you know, versus six years. Yeah, you see that all the time. And so, and what you're doing is you're limiting your candidate pool by doing that. You're limiting yourself. We can take somebody with the right attitude and train them. So don't discount that, which leads me then to the candidate pool. The next thing is just making sure that you are recruiting, you're attracting candidates because- everyone's looking, right? So what are you doing to stand out? I mean, if you see, you see it on social media, like memes and jokes and boards outside of stores that are funny, that make you want to apply to that job. Like all of the employees who are looking for jobs right now know that they can pretty much kind of like a buyer's market, right? Like they know. So what are you doing to stand out? You know, what are you doing in your ad to make people notice it and see it and want to apply? Which leads me to my next one, which is the culture in your practice. That's what happens within your four walls. If you've got a crappy culture, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah, you can say it. Preach. (laughs) If you've got a crappy culture, the people in your town and your industry, they know you've got a crappy culture. And unless you're going to have to pay some elevated amount to try to get people, um, you got to fix that culture because people only want to go to work where they want to go to work. And so that could be your limiting thing of, you know, you're putting ads out and you're not getting any candidates. Well, is it a place that they want to work? And then lastly, my thought is those that are good are probably working. Like they're probably the ones that are currently still not working. Um, there's a reason they're still not working <laughs> and don't hunt them down because there's a reason they're still not working, but find ways to get to those that are currently working. And when I say that, I think of things like um, you know, let's say you're looking for a hygienist and you have full-time hygienists, you need a full-time hygienist. Well, would you consider somebody to at least come one day a week? If you would consider one day a week, Susie down the street who works at another office is looking for one day a week and she can at least fill that one day a week for you. Um, let your, you know, your um, reps know, let other people in the industry know, post it on social media because you got to get that network out to try to attract people who might be working somewhere else, but looking for extra hours, or maybe working somewhere 
afraid to leave, not happy, mm-hmm. but then they hear you're looking and you've got an amazing culture and they're willing to come over to you. So you got to no, get- share an example, actually. So yeah. and I, don't, I don't know if this is like, I'm sure this is okay. My wife was working as a hygienist for a bunch of years and she was working for the same dentist and she wasn't necessarily like looking for somewhere else, um, but she did have an available day. So kind of the same story you just said. And a practice was looking for a full-time hygienist, uh, but they were struggling to find one, uh, Greenwood. And so she started working part-time there just temp. So occasionally she was just subbing in, subbing in. And it wasn't long before they were like, hey, we really like you. Would you ever come consider working here full-time? And she was like, I actually would really like that, but like, I can't do it yet. You know, I kind of have to like phase out of this other one. And so for them, like they found a full-time employee in my wife because they let someone come and even just temp, right? So I have found every hygienist I have that way. Mm-hmm. Every hygienist, because every hygienist, I actually prefer to do it that way um, because I get a chance to see them working. Yeah, in it's almost like a long-time working interview. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then they get a chance to, because the thing is, is in my office, the culture rocks, like no pun intended, we're from <laughs> like the culture is great. And so most of the time I know they work in my office and they're working somewhere else. They're going to end up, if they're a rock star and they're great, they're going to want to be in our office full-time eventually. Like I know I'm going to be able to bring them over. So just get them in a day a week, try them out, let them try us out. And then over time, it, it you know, it's just kind of like going on a date and then you want to <laughs> see that person more and then more, and then, you know, you commit to marriage. So yeah, yeah, I do that all the time. Thank you for sharing like five solid actionable items. Mm-hmm. So awesome. And the thing that I love that you talked about culture is that dent- the dentistry field where you live is not that big. <laughs> so yeah. like mm-hmm. we, you're somebody that worked for you, knows somebody who wants to apply for you. And again, if your culture is not good, that word gets out real quick. Well, and it's funny you said bring out five. I'm like, well, I happen to write a book about this. So hiring without hesitation. But there's something you just said, Katie, that's really um, key in that. You're, the people who work for you, if you're hiring, they'll be more likely to spread the word in their network that dental assistants know each other, hygienists know if they like where they work. <laughs> if they don't like where they work, they're not going to want to share that with their family or with their friends. So there's that too, in the sense of like, you know, and your patients. I mean, look at your patients as they're, they could be out spreading the word. They might know family, like there's so many opportunities to get connected now, but they know what it's like in your office. And if it's not a place they necessarily want to be, they're not going to go out of their way to try to get other people to come. Here's a question that I don't know if it's kosher or not, but I, can you recruit a patient to work for you? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I have a, but there's some I have great a, people that they come, they sit in my chair. I'm like, I love you. Will you just come work here? I've yeah. actually said that to a couple of people, like, like joking, but I'm yeah. kind of serious. I've hired a few patients um, and I have a, a section in the book about that actually specifically. It's a great place. To, it's a really good because they know your culture. They're your biggest fans. They love you. You do have to be careful because everybody looks good on a first date and you know you bring them in. But then if six months from now, if you guys part ways and it's not a friendly parting of ways, you potentially will lose a patient and or their family or whoever they come whoever with. Whoever they brought so, in. Yeah, it's also true. like asking for referrals. So if you send us somebody who's a friend of yours and that person doesn't work out, I'm not only jeopardizing my relationship with that person as the owner, I have to be careful of the relationship with you because you may end up going. So there's always a risk when you do yeah. it, but yeah, the patient base is a great place to go. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good idea. 
because uh, a lot of people have great patients that they that they love to work mm-hmm. on. So, mm-hmm. um, okay. Well, so the other thing that I wanted to talk about was long term, like hiring for a long term employment. I mm-hmm. I know that it's not necessarily possible because when you're hiring an assistant or a front office person, a lot of times it's entry level positioning. But um, there, what can you do or what can you suggest? I mean, maybe outside of what we've talked about already, which obviously might help, but what can you suggest for people that are hoping to not have to do this like hiring thing a lot all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I guess there's two things that come to mind. One is don't hire out of desperation. So we tend to do that so quickly in the dental industry because we're not trained in it. So we just stick a square peg in a round hole. You know, you want somebody who is dedicated, who shows up on time, who is motivated. And during, you know, they showed up late to the interview, they looked disheveled and they weren't really friendly, yet you still hired them. them, And six months from now, you're upset because they don't show up to work on time. Well, you kind of took a square peg and put it in a round hole. You, You forgot about all the things that you have as a requirement just to put a body in a chair. So um, when you do that, then you have to fire and hire and fire and hire. And then you get a negative idea behind the idea of hiring. Like it becomes like, well, I've tried that and it doesn't work, which is not true. It's really, you know, and how well you hire. The second thing is, and this is the key thing, is training, how well we train our employees. Mm. In the dental industry, we stink at this. We we throw them at the desk. Yeah, right. We throw them at the front desk. We say, here's the insurances we belong to. Here's the phones. Here's this. Here's the doctor's names. Go. And then six people walk by and say, you're doing it wrong. And they, and there's met statistics out there, which are in my book, but I don't have off the top of my head of like, you know, millennials decide within the first week how long they're going to stay in a company. And now people are deciding within the first day. Well, take yourself back to the very first day in a dental office. It was awful. <laughs> like they either- every practice is new. Every practice it, it shouldn't be that shouldn't be that different, but it feels different in every practice. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we just, you know, people want to feel like when they're new, they're scared, they're first day jitters. They, they want to feel like they can contribute. They want to feel like they're part of the team. They want someone to teach them the basics. And we don't do that. A lot of times, half the time people don't even, they just pass them there and say hi in the morning. They don't know where to put the purse. They aren't taught anything. So mm-hmm. contributing meanings like they give them something that they can learn to do that's easy. And then that becomes their job. And then that way they know every day they're supposed to unlock the door or make the coffee or open the mail or be, and, and just let them learn. And then don't try to throw everything to them. We throw them to the wolves and try to teach them it. like, yes. here's dental Intel, here's Eagle Soft, here's mm-hmm. everything go. And they're like, ah, and then they freak out and they quit, you know? Right. So because drinking um, from a fire hose is not for everyone. Exactly. And then the last thing, I guess, there's a book that I talk about a lot and it's called culture trumps everything. And in that book, he talks about the culture of your business and not to bring it back to that again, but you can take a lot of people are like, well, when I hired her, she was a rock star and then she didn't work out. I don't understand why you can hire a rock star and put them in a bad culture and squash them. Right. So if you go hire somebody who's amazing and then you put them into your office and there's gossip and there's you know, eye rolling and the team's not getting along and they, you work long hours and there's no appreciation, that person's probably not going to stay very long. So there's also making sure that you're doing everything you can to build a culture where people want to stay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. That, that, I've seen that often actually for in, in both scenarios mm-hmm. where I 
seen, I've worked in a place where um, it was a, in hospital dentistry, this great associate dentist comes in. I'm like, gosh, she's so good. And like a couple months later, just because our culture continued to squash everybody. So, right. yeah. well, no. this has been so good. Anything that you want yeah, to Yeah, I was just going to yeah. say something that I think uh, is important to note. I think we're beginning, and you, Laura, you mentioned this, but we're starting to experience this now as an industry where trends among younger generations are there's higher turnover in jobs, right? Like in the past generations, it was like you pick a horse and you ride it, like you're going to get a job and you're going to do that job for 15, 20, 25, 30 years. That's quite and, the analogy there, Steve. Like, <laughs> but seriously, that's like what so it was. Right and then now, like we're seeing that like younger generations are, are turning over on jobs quicker, right? So all the things that we can do, like Laura just mentioned, to kind of put ourselves in a place where we're more likely to retain people. And I really do think, to your point, it comes down to culture as being such a huge piece to that. Yeah. Um, a lot of, go ahead. Well, I was going to add, um, and a lot of the younger generation, I talk about this because people complain all the time. Mm-hmm. When you, if you just give them, here's your tasks to do, here's the 12 things you have to do today, and I'm paying you for a job. That's not motivation. That's not motivational. Yeah. But if you talk about purpose, if you talk about why, if you talk about the, the, what we're trying to do here as an office, what we're trying to do as a business, they're going to buy in all day long. And so many dentists, I think, have forgotten the purpose of why we're here in the first place. It's not about numbers. It's not about production and collections. It's about taking care of our patients and helping them keep their teeth for life. And if you can instill that in your culture, your team's going to buy in and, and want to do that. But if you're not talking about that regularly and sharing that with your team, it becomes numbers and then they get burnt out and they want to go somewhere else. Yeah. Yes, so yes, good. yes. That's also, perfect. Yes. Also, because we, what, how lucky are we are to live, to work in an industry where right. that is the culture. Mm-hmm. The culture is caring for people. I mean, not a lot of people get that. You're so lucky to be able to have that. But Katie, I'll, I'll, t- I'll tell you, um, one of the things that I think, and, and this is because I, I talk to people all the time and not to keep bringing up dental intel, but there's a balance, right? Mm-hmm. Of like numbers versus culture, or the why we're here, the purpose. Mm-hmm. And so we have to keep that balance always because we have to remember what our why is. It's to help our patients keep their teeth for life. It's to help them live longer and live a better life. But we can't do it for free, right? We can't do it and not make money. Yeah. And all the numbers are, is they represent how many patients we're helping. Yeah. So there's yeah. gotta be a balance there where so many doctors, I feel get so into the numbers and their purpose might be right, but they're not explaining it to the team members that the team thinks it's all about the money. They think yeah. it's all about the numbers and they think the doctor drives a Jaguar and has a yacht and they live down, you know? Yeah. But then the team members want to give it all away for free. And it's like, well, guys, how do you think we're paying your, you know, your, your checks? So there's a balance and there's a communication that needs to happen within the team because we do have a great, we're an amazing industry. It's, it's great, but the numbers have to be something that we talk about because that's how you run a business. We're not, we're not, we don't do this for free. You know, we're not, we're not nonprofit. So that's true. Very, very true. Well, very well said. I'm so glad that we were able to have you on again. You this was fun. I'm glad. I'd love to come back again. On. Yes, <laughs> for sure. This has been Growth in Dentistry, a dental intelligence podcast. Again, special thanks to our guest, Laura Nelson from Front Office Rocks. You can find her at frontofficerocks.com. And also her book, Hiring Without Hesitation. We will have a link to that in our show notes. And also you can find out that link and other great information by visiting our webpage at dentalintel.com. Thank you again to Stephen Jensen for joining me today. Thanks, guys. And to our marketing department for all of their work on this podcast. I'm Katie Polson. Keep growing.